the gospel is a little bit offensive because you have to acknowledge I am a sinner and I am in need of a savior. There's a couple of things like that would make Christianity offensive, like maybe the resurrection of Jesus or or maybe like one religion can't have all the answers. Like that's one of those things. But what is most offensive around the gospel is how people who say they believe in the gospel live their life. We are not God. You are not the judge. You are not the jury. You are just as guilty as the person sitting next to you, saved by grace, justified by Christ's blood. When did our purpose go from being to win the world to holding everybody accountable? Hey guys, welcome to the Purpose Podcast. I am Zach here with my amazing wife, Rachel, and we are so glad that you're taking time to be with us. We believe so much in your purpose to win your world, and we're just thrilled that you're taking this time to be with us. Wherever you're watching on YouTube or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever it might be, I want to encourage you to subscribe. I want to encourage you to share this. Uh, this We're talking about unity the next you know couple of weeks, and we believe there's so much uh, that is worth sharing. Uh, So much for you to have good conversations around. And I just want to say, speaking of unity, uh, in your face to some of those people who say, I don't intro intro the podcast as well as Rachel, I feel like it is spot on. You did a good job that time. I've had some trouble the last few times keeping my brain. So I wasn't going to say that. I wasn't going to say that because, again, you, I'm not going to mention other people. I'm so sorry. Like, Tondra, y'all attack me. Over my intros, but I think they are high quality. Sometimes my ADHD kicks in like while I'm in the middle of talking. I love and then <laughs> one of the, my favorite things about your ADHD is that you say it so fast that sometimes you don't even put all the letters in the title when you say it, <laughs> which is, uh, yeah. I do say it. I just, you can't listen fast enough. Yeah. Oh, so oh is that what it is? <laughs> it's my, my fault. Okay. Uh, that was a loud, loud. That was, Sorry. that was, I wasn't going to point that out either, but. If you're watching this on video, I would encourage you to rewind. Maybe take a screen <laughs> still of that and send it to Rachel. I quit. You I'll never try laugh it. like that. What was that? You just surprised me. That was intense. <laughs> you just surprised me. Okay, I'm so sorry. okay. Well, okay. All right, t- tell us Unity. about what we're talking about today. Okay, we're talking about. <laughs> I'm having a hard time right now. Unity. Unity. Unity's hard. And that's what we're talking about today. <laughs> It's not hard to be united with me, though, is it? Sometimes. No, you don't mean it. Most of the time, no. Unity, it seems like unity should not be a, a big deal. You would think theoretically. Everybody loves Jesus. Everybody's full of the Holy Spirit. This should not be so hard. Um, and I would say, for the most part, when we're talking about disunity, we want to be clear. Like, we're not talking about, you know, like denominational disunity. We're talking about the very prevalent, often experienced. We have a disagreement and um, it breeds not just disunity, but also something that is often partnered with disunity, which is dissension, which is just deep division. And so we see, okay, we're not in alignment anymore. And now not only are we not in alignment, but usually what that gives way to is dissension or division. And right. the, and that's the enemy taking, um, really taking a foothold and abusing that disunity to breed, um, not just, hey, we're not quite in alignment, but into a place of, gosh, we're no longer even together. Yeah. Super hard. And so um, I would, you would think like, hey, the Bible says, you know, you're supposed to be humble. You're supposed to be patient and bear one another and 
all of that. Um, you know, we referenced that on our last, um, podcast, but, uh, why is it so hard to be unified in the church then? Yeah. If we all love God, we all appreciate the gospel and that we're not going to hell. Yeah. Pretty big deal. Right. Why, um, that assumption is, pro- it's the wrong assumption for us to have is that unity wouldn't be hard then. And I think it's literally because like unity is something it's of God. And we talked about that, like unity is a gift from God. It's not, we're not bred to be unified, especially in our current context and culture. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what we're going to kind of unpack a little bit today. So the question is not, you know, the assumption that we usually have is unity between Christians um, shouldn't be this hard, but that assumption isn't really true because God, he wants, he wants unity, but nowhere in the Bible does it say that unity is easy. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're going to talk a little bit about, um, you know, just the roots of like why, um, unity is hard and that the Bible knows, like God knows that unity is hard. Otherwise he wouldn't have put like a million verses in there. That's a, that's a stretch, but there are several verses all throughout old Testament and new Testament compelling us to unity. Yeah. And I I think that if we could really tie all around one word that causes disunity. um, And so like, if you were to take away one thing from this, like, what is it that if I could stay away from would lead me to be united with people, whether they're believers or unbelievers, and it would be offense. So whenever we take offense and we, and we can get into all the things that cause us to take offense. And last time we talked about the importance of humility um, and, and all that kind of stuff. But when we live where we are, we allow ourselves to be offended. It, that, that is a, just a, a recipe for living uh, without unity. A couple verses, uh, Proverbs 19, 11 says good sense or yeah, Proverbs 19.11, good sense uh, makes one slow to anger. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. Or Proverbs 18.19, a brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city, and, and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. And just one more, just to tie these together, in James 3.16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there is disorder in every vile practice. And so this thought of being easily offended or really offended at all is is what leads us to any sort of division. And going back, we talked about last time, viewing ourselves and how we view ourselves and how we view others. If Jesus is our example, which again, he said he said in John 15, uh, love each other as I've loved you. He said in John 13, 35, he said, a new command I give you. And this this is where it is new. He says, a new command I give you uh, to love each other. And that that wasn't the new part. The new part was to love each other as I have loved you, which means you're willing to sacrifice yourself. You're willing to give up everything to love people. And if you live that way, you're not allowed to live in offense. Like, again, Jesus, we talked about it last time, but even when Jesus is on the cross, he's unoffended. And you could say, oh, that was Jesus. Well, you look forward, I believe it's in, uh, it's going to be in Acts, it's either, I think it's in Acts 7, it's in Acts 7, or 6 and 7, whenever um, they, uh, they the, the apostles call up those men who are filled with the Spirit to yeah, send yeah, out, yeah. and Stephen, he's the first martyr in Acts chapter 7, 
And when he's being stoned to death, he looks and says the same thing Jesus said, Lord, please forgive them so they know not what they're doing. They, they, they don't know. And so like whenever you prioritize the crisis of eternity, like we talked about last time, the, the place or the room for offense, it just, it almost disappears. You know, I love, um, there is a, um, she's a Instagram influencer, however you want to say it, but her name's <laughs> Natalie Runyon. And she has a company called Raise to Stay. And, um, she has this, um, thought about, um, offense and she calls it the pandemic of the church. And she says, um, and I love this. She said, because we can gossip and gripe and name names and tell tales, but God forbid we have our own sin called to the carpet, our behavior challenged, our words rebuked, how easily we throw off our garment of praise for a cloak of offense, because we didn't like a look someone gave us in the parking lot. And it's so what she's, she goes on to unpack is how easily we pick up, like we exchange the humility of Christ and the garment of praise that he's given us for offense. And she articulates, you know, when you have offense, it's one thing to be hurt. And that means the sin is on another person, right? Somebody sins and you, you're hurt as a, as a result of that. That's one thing. But when you pick up offense, now you've picked up sin as well. So now you're both in sin. Right. And that is, I think that's something that we don't, one of the things that unity does, and I love this, this is from an article um, from Desiring God, but it says, our pursuit of unity is designed to give us many opportunities to die to our own sin and bear with the sins of others. Yeah. How poignant is it? I love, you know, he said the same thing that Jesus said, that Stephen said the same thing that Jesus said, you know, forgive them for they know not what they do. Is that not the beautiful picture of bearing with other sins? Yeah. And I'm not saying, you know, hey, because people will take that out of context. So you just roll, you know, that doesn't mean you just roll over. You just let people do whatever they want to do. And, yeah. But for the sake of Christ, if it comes down to the sake of Christ, um, if we have the opportunity to bear with people's sins, um, why why wouldn't we? Yeah. So that we can maintain unity. Yeah, but you know what also is, we're not just doing this just because Jesus said to. We're doing this because it's better. And so actually yeah. something that was great in that, well, not great, but something that's very, something to learn from in Acts 7, whenever uh, Stephen is martyred, it says he had the face of an angel. And so, like, whenever he says, forgive them for they know not what they do, he has the peace of knowing that he is offenseless. But that, that's, not, that's not what we do. How, many, how often, like, when you ask them, how's your day going or whatever, just to be super transparent, like, with our family, sometimes I feel like we, you know, because we're, we're always going, we're always doing. If we're not careful, we'll, we'll be a little negative about it. Oh, I'm tired. I'm, 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 it, but whenever we're so blessed— but we have this, it's just the natural human condition to get negative. But again, using Jesus as the example, and I think this goes huge to what you're saying when it comes to offense and disunity. In 1 Peter 3, 23, and Peter, one of Jesus' best friends, he said when he was reviled, that's Jesus, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. So he wasn't, he wasn't going to pick up those offense. But, th- but this is why Jesus could do that. He continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Last time when we were talking about premarital counseling and we said that we tell people when they get married, hey, it's not about being right and you want to let the other person fight for you, 
Well, just just a little check in our spirit. Like whenever we start to pick up a fence, we are starting to defend our. We are starting to tend and uh, contend for ourselves instead of let God doing it. Jesus could let stuff go and let stuff happen to him because he said he continued to entrust himself to him who judges justly. That he was able to give himself over and over to God. Can we do that? And, and something else I think is massive, because right now we're talking a lot about being offended by others. But if we're not careful, we will give ourselves a pass to offend others. But I love this. It, Paul just crushes that. In 1 Corinthians 13, 5, or sorry, 1 Corinthians 10, 32, give no offense to Jew or to Greek or to the church of God. Give no offense. So like live a life that is not offensive to others. Or in Acts 24, 16. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. And so this is Paul. He's playing churches. I take great pains. Great pains. I'm going to do stuff the way that it's not the easiest for me to do, or not even the way I want to do it. You told me a word whenever, before we started this podcast, just to be super transparent, I used the word sissy in a sermon. And you told me before, hey, I was told last night, people don't really like it using that term. I didn't know that. And so- I'm not going to use that anymore. I'm not going to say that. If it if it causes one person to disengage at all, I'm not going to use it, right? Who who cares? Like, or, or I said, I, whenever I was younger, I used pissed in a sermon. And a guy pulled me aside, and that, that was a cuss word in their home. And I was like, gosh, that's so silly. Like, why would you? Like that, that, it wasn't in my home, so I should get to say it. And then the Lord just dealt with me. I was like, man, if one person misses out on the truth because you want to say a word— yeah. Like, that's crazy. And so, I, yeah, I, I totally, totally agree. But are we willing to take great pains to not offend other people because if we're because our, our primary goal is the gospel? And this doesn't mean, again, like the gospel in and of itself, which people, like people, we, this is just true. It's offensive. The gospel is a little bit offensive because you have to acknowledge I am a sinner and I am in need of a savior. And so that in and of itself, like, hey, you're living a life that exposes that, not, but we have to be careful. Like, even if you say, well, my heart was right in it. Well, you're caught, like, are you, are you looking at the cost? So I just challenge us in this season, especially, but again, like we're talking about within the church, you know, like, you should, and this, Paul is referencing even everybody else I come into contact with, but hey, unity is hard because we want to be right, which we talked about last time. We want to be the best. Our pride makes way. It's an enemy to unity. So one of the things like I just want to encourage us to is just saying, hey, like Paul reflected on and took stock in what was happening around him. He slowed down enough to hear and see the impact of his words. And boy, oh boy, now that we have social media, we don't care about that. We don't ever actually, you're so unaware of the impact and the cost of what you say, because we're very brave behind a keyboard. So you leave a comment. Um, there is somebody was telling me about Lisa Harper. She has um, a podcast and all kinds of uh, like, devotional. She's incredible. What an, it's like, she's a saint. She's, I mean, like she's an amazing woman of God. And she had gotten an email from somebody who told her that she was too fat to be doing devotionals on video. And so, yeah, like, are we taking great pains 
to slow down. But that person, here's what's interesting. She sent, that person sent that email. They didn't watch Lisa's face when they read it, when she read it. They didn't sit knee to knee with her. There was no tone. And so when you choose to be um, unkind and you may say, well, she needed to know that. I wasn't being, my intention wasn't to be mean, but hey, we need to look at the fallout and perhaps take a moment to sit down and review. Maybe your heart might be in the right place, but your practice may not be. Yeah. And I love something that Kyle tells us all the time. He says, uh, he says, talk to God about people before you talk to people about people. And so like, you know. Well, not just talk, you better sit down and listen. Well, the, well, the deal is like, I mean, ha, I have, you, have you prayed at all before you said something like that? But again, that's, yeah. that's something different. But I want to go back to something you said earlier. You said that the gospel is offensive. And 100% it is. But I was just pulling up this Barna study. And it, it talks about people who like have no faith. And there, there's a bunch of different categories, but people have no faith. And what percentage of them have a hard time with with God and it has all these reasons why. But like there's a there's a couple of things like that would make um Christianity offensive. Like maybe the resurrection of Jesus or or maybe like th- this is a big one. Like one religion can't have all the answers. Like that's one of those things. But the top one, the thing that uh, the biggest reason that makes people with no faith have a hard time believing in Jesus is the hypocrisy of religious people. 42% of people surveyed said that that's one of the things that detracts from their belief in Jesus. Now, again, like you said, one religion having all the answers, that is offensive. That was 29%. So that, But that, it can cover, boy, oh boy, if we were, if we did what Jesus asked us to do and people knew because of the way we loved each other that God sent him. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure that would start to cover up. Well, that, some of but that's the just other what things. I'm saying. Like if if you, which th- this is not how the question is worded, but but you could easily say it this way: What offends people with no faith most when it comes to Christianity? And the top one, forty two percent of people are offended by the hypocrisy of religious people. So I was just going back to what you said, which is true: that the gospel is offensive. But what is most offensive around the gospel is how people who say they believe in the gospel live their life. Yeah. Right? And so, again, like, I, I think it's just an encouragement for believers who may say, well, it's okay for me to cause offense because the gospel is offensive. Well, I just think it's a great opportunity to stop and ask, why are people offended? Like, if there's people in your life that are offended by the gospel, you're telling me they're offended that God sent his son to die on the cross for their sins, rose from the grave to offer them eternal life. It's free for them if they will surrender their life to him. Um, and But if you deny it, then you're going to go to hell. And maybe that last part is a little bit offensive, but all the people I've talked to that are offended by it, that's not what, uh, offended by Christianity, that's not what they're offended by. They're offended by a Christian who maybe said those things or maybe used those things to judge them. E- either mm-hmm. way. I just I just don't want people to walk away with a club in their hand that I can be offensive because the gospel is offensive, which is not what you meant. But no, I, I know. That survey just was, well, was and important. I think another thing that we can do, like, hey, unity is so hard, partly because we failed in the past and maybe we've caused disunity or experienced disunity. And I just want us to be sure that we don't allow those to be excuses 
for us to continue to disobey God. And, you know, like we are called to be Christ-like and to abide in Jesus in pursuit of peace. And that is, you know, Paul says he does his best to be at peace with all men. And so I would say that we do not, we don't do our best to be at peace with all men. We do our best to um, be justified. And we do our best to make sure our side is heard. And we do our best to be, make sure our opinion gets on out in the public square. And that becomes our value. And that becomes, really, I watch this. You just see it all over social media. Our purpose then goes from being, people watch and they see this inside the church. They watch people from being about glorifying God to um, openly defaming the church over and over because they see something they don't agree with. Or, I mean, we watch people hammer, I mean, churches and pastors and all kinds of things. And I'm like, hey, when did our purpose go from being to win the world to holding everybody accountable? And I, we have to be careful and knowing like, hey, part of the reason that we can have unity and unity is so important because it, it requires a right view of ourselves. We are not God. You are not the judge. You are not the jury. You are just as guilty as the person sitting next to you, saved by grace, justified by Christ's blood. And so when we remove ourselves from our position That's why unity is so hard because it's so hard to stay seated in Christ. It's so hard to stay seated in humility. And if we find ourselves operating out of selfish ambition and really we don't even realize that we've done it until we're on the back end of it. Yeah. And I I think something for people who are listening, because this is hard. Oh, it's so hard. It's hard hard to live this life. And I I would suggest, um, especially if you're going to share this and, and again, want, want to unite around the crisis of the gospel. Um, and around eternity, um, that there's probably some people that you need to forgive. You know, I, 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 Proverbs 17, 9 says, whoever covers an offense seeks love. So somebody who just says, hey, I'm, I'm willing to cover this. This isn't, this isn't going to define me or whatever. Uh, but, what, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. And again, going back, like I think that repeats is twofold. One repeats is in like talks about it. Uh, gossip is, I, I think gossip just ravages the church. I think it ravages humanity in general. Um, but then, but also not just gossips as, or repeats as in gossip, but repeats it as in, you know, maybe you apologize half-heartedly and you're willing to do the offense again. Mm, you yeah, don't repent. If, if, it, if it suits you. Yeah. And so I, I think there's probably some people who need to apologize. Now, again, because we, we've went through some stuff recently that's, yeah. A little weird for us. Um, uh, and people are attacking us pretty personally, and just some odd deals. And uh, I, there, there was one point I, I had to get out of the office and just go, just really pray and think about it. And I was trying to not meditate on the negative, so I was meditating on scripture. And I was thinking about Luke eleven, which I like Luke eleven because it's when Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, and he says, you know, holy. So your name is holy. So first you pray like holy. And whenever you're saying holy is your name, what you're saying is if he's holy, if he's perfect, if he's set apart, if he's worthy of everything, then there's no offense that would keep me from coming to your presence. There's no offense that I'm going to hold, no offense I'm going to cause that's worthy of me not pursuing your holy name. And then he says your kingdom come. Again, the crisis of unity is around his kingdom coming. 
There's nothing that's that's worth holding a grudge over. There's nothing worth causing offense that would hold the gospel back. But then, this is why I like Luke 11. It's so simple. He says, "Forgive others as you want as 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 you you will be forgiven as you forgive others." And so, when it comes to that, when it comes to whoever covers an offense seeks love, I just wanna I just wanna encourage us. Like we maybe we have some offenses we need to apologize for. Um, because if if we want to really walk in all of God's forgiveness, I mean, geez. I mean, remember whenever Jesus asked the disciples, who do you think's gonna who do you think is gonna be more uh grateful? You know, the one who was forgiven little, the one who was forgiven much. He says, Well, I guess the one who was forgiven much. And so I don't know about you, but I've been forgiven a whole heck of a lot. And so I want to forgive others that way too. Um, but I do think that those are two significant pieces around uh, offenses: is one forgiveness and two gossip, and and what and what how we live when it comes to those things. I think is essential around offenses. Well, and I just remind us, you know, it said when Jesus was reviled, he did not revile them, and um, for me, that's a hard one. Sure. So. Um, just like being transparent. And so one of the things that helps me like, Hey, like unity is hard because people hurting people hurt people and everybody's broken. Everybody's hurt. And, um, it's really hard to be held accountable. It's really hard to be challenged and we don't always receive that well. Um, and one of the things that I, uh, do to help me process, cause I think when we hear all of that, it's like, well, yeah, you want me to forgive somebody who's hurt me really deeply. And um, what we have to remember is it doesn't even matter why. Sometimes that helps us understand. You know, hey, if I understood why you did that, then I could. But forgiveness is you just taking a minute. And that's a, like, that's a biblical, spiritual thing. It's really hard to forgive without a filling of the Holy Spirit. And so if I ask, Holy Spirit, would you fill me right now? My soul and my spirit are at odds. And so I'm going to feed my spirit feed my spirit, feed my spirit until my soul comes into submission. And so I am really intentional. What I listen to, what I read, who I talk to, what I share with are people who are going to push me back. I had a conversation today. Um, I sat down with um, one of our executive team, Josh, and I just said, hey, I just need you to help me. How do I think right now? Help me think. So this is somebody who's going to push me. He's not afraid to challenge me and say, hey, tell me. I want you to tell me how to think. And so we worked through <laughs> biblically. Hey, this is, you know the word. Can I just remind you of what the word says? You know the word. And then we're going to trust the word. And that for like even being intentional, who you even share with is so important that it would be people who push you back. We say this in marriage counseling. When you're walking through something with your wife, make sure you talk with somebody who's going to push you back to your wife. Not, not that's going to bring division. And so when you share and you talk through it, hey, I'm going to talk with somebody who's going to bring me back to radical reconciliation. You serve a God of radical reconciliation. And my heart is that that would be something that marks the church, that marks us, that we are the first people in line. Somebody was praying, um, sent me, uh, they're praying over me today. And they said, I pray that Zach and Rachel are always the first in line. They are now, but that that would always be the first in line to say, I love you. I forgive you. I'm, I'm right here. And, um, 
that is really hard to do. And so we just want you to know, like, it's hard for us sometimes too, but you have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it is not, you can, Galatians 2.20, experience beyond what you could hope or imagine through the work of the Holy Spirit. You can, you can forgive that way because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I want to encourage you as we wrap up, your purpose biblically is to win the world. You look at, again, Matthew 28, 17 to 20, the Great Commission. You look at Acts 1, 8. Uh, you look at why Jesus came. Like, again, we, we could point out a bunch of verses, but the reason, your, your, your purpose, the main purpose is to win the world, right? And so that's the reason why you have to live in you. That's the crisis. You know, I love what uh, Paul wrote in Galatians 5, 13. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. It was for your freedom, right? You are, so don't use that freedom. You're called to freedom, uh, which is freedom from offense, freedom from those things. Um, and so like the only thing I really remember from psychology is the Oculus Menti, which is your mind's eye. And, you know, if you th- a good way to think about it is like whenever you put on night vision goggles, you know, really the only thing you see are those things like the heat that, that lines up, right? They'll use them for military or what, whatever, right? So like it, it's very focused on what you see. And so I want to encourage you, what does your Oculus mentee see? Do you see and look forward to vision and gossip and hatred? And you, do you pursue those things and you drum up those things or do you squash them? Now, I want to warn you, you will lose friends over this. Whenever, whenever you start saying, hey, have you talked to them about that? Or, hey, you know, that's just not my favorite thing to hear about. You, there are, and I, some of my great friends, they all, I know that they have text message threads with me and they have some without me. Um, and I know that, and that, that's okay. Um, and we, and that, it gets joked about sometimes, whatever, but I'm fine to miss out on some things that my flesh might think is funny because... I, I don't want it in me. Like I don't mm-hmm. want, whether it's mm-hmm. dirty, whether it's, uh, whether it's divisive, wh- whatever it might be. Uh, and my flesh wants it. You know, we, well, Simon Sinek talks about how, when you talk about the Oculus Minty thing, you said um, he talks about a skier. And when you're skiing down a hill, if you say, don't hit the trees, don't hit the trees, all you see are trees, right. you're going to hit a tree. But if you say, follow the path, follow the path, all you're going to see is the path. Yeah. And so if that's what you're spinning, but your flesh would love to just rather say, Right. I want all of it, and we call the what are the morsels. We we well we yeah well that's what, in the in the Bible I should have looked it up, but it talks about gossip being a, a, a tasty morsel. Uh, but we call it juicy deets. The juicy deets, yeah. You know, um, and so which again, not great. We're not perfect, but um, I want to encourage you. At the end of your life, what you'll be held accountable for at the end of your life, what will matter most is the eternal impact that you make, and you will make vastly greater eternal impact united around the crisis of the gospel, around the mm-hmm. crisis of people's eternity, then you will divide it around gossip, around yeah. hatred, around uh, whatever it might be. So we love you. I want to encourage you, please live in unity. Please pursue your purpose. And please, please, please win your world this week. We love you. I cannot wait for next week. We'll see you then. 